hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the moonshine jesus show brought to you by progressivechristianity.org i'm caleb and i'm here with my friend mark how are you doing today mark i'm doing great man it's always good to be back for another moonshine jesus show man it is good to be back today as we are talking about star trek discovery today and love it love it if you're watching live and you have questions throughout this, I hope that you will think about putting those in the comment section, no matter where you're watching. If you're watching live, we can see those and we'll be glad later on in the show to answer some of those questions. So Absolutely. we are drinking Star Trek themed cocktails. Yes, today. yes. And I want to hear what you're drinking, Mark. Well, I, uh, you know, there's so many of these out on, compared to Star Wars, which was not, the, not Star Wars, the, the Batwoman and Batman, yeah. there are so many out there. Yeah. And I found one that, that uh, I kind of liked. Uh, it, it's, and I've got lots of reasons, but it's, it was called the Captain Kirk Alien Sex on the Beach. <laughs> okay. And it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. It's, uh, it's whiskey and uh, pink champagne. And they tell you to garnish it with a strawberry. Yeah. So, but you know, I I wanted it to be discovery kind of oriented. So right. I switched it up a little bit to feel a little more like Captain uh, uh, Burnham for me. Yeah. And so instead of whiskey, of course, I went bourbon. And of then you know, you, you, you of course I did. And then you can't you can't garnish bourbon with a strawberry. So no, I, I garnished wrong. it with. It is, it is. And I, so I garnished it with multiple black cherries. Uh-huh. And so uh, that's that's the drink I'm going with. Uh, I'm calling it, you know, Captain Burnham, Captain uh, Burnham. Alien Sex on the Beach. How about <laughs> Captain you, Captain Burnham, Alien Sex on the Beach. So, Absolutely. You know what? You're right. There are a ton of Star Trek-themed cocktails, which is kind of amazing to me because right. one of the themes of Star Trek was supposed to be that people had, like, outgrown alcohol, right? And they were drinking alcohol. To a degree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Sent the hall. true. Right? They were supposed to have, but right. at the same time, every time they could get their hands on something, they drank yeah. it. And particularly the an old bottle of, the most of whiskey. Yes. Was whiskey. Yeah. Well, the thing they got their hand on the most, Mark, was Romulan yeah. ale. And, and Romulan so, and ale, absolutely. That's what so I So you have drinking. a Romulan ale. What what goes into a Romulan ale, man? And it's okay. by the way, it's a beautiful drink. Isn't it? Don't you love the the blue flavor or the blue coloring is the thing that's, you know, the most recognizable about a Romulan ale. So it's got vodka, rum. You can put gin in there if you want. Blue curacao. And you can uh, fill it up with club soda or Sprite. So and it's it's pretty good. A pretty good right. Romulan ale. So, well, here's to you, man. Cheers, cheers. to a good show. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Ah, it's pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty All right, man. So let's go ahead and move on in. Uh, we'll do a drop and we'll get into the show. It should be a lot of fun. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Today we are talking about Star Trek Discovery, and that's one of the newer shows of the ever-expanding Star Trek universe. <laughs> I think and we're up to about 16 different iterations. It's about where we are, honestly. We went from having no Star Trek shows on TV to all of a sudden having a plethora of them, which I'm thrilled about. I am a Absolutely. lifelong Trekkie. I, I was here. a super Star Trek nerd. I went to the conventions. I did all the things. Uh, dressed up as Captain Picard. Uh, Very <laughs> but nice. I love Star Trek. And <laughs> you I'm got the forehead for it, so that's I, great. Well, well, you know what? <laughs> Pretty soon, I will. <laughs> I will. Back in those days, I had to put on a bold cap, but I can almost get away with the card book. No, you'd still have to go there. I'm, I would, still have to put I'm on just, a yeah bold cap. Slick so. it back and still get a little bald For a cap, little yeah. bit longer. Thanks, Mark. I, I want to see pigs. I want to see pictures. I want to see pigs. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen. I think I've got them. I've hey, listen, got at my, at my age, when you can give anyone younger than you a hard time about their hairline, <laughs> you take the opportunity, man. You, you just do. You should. Because there are many things that I, I get that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm holding on to every shred of hair I have while I do it, man. Do it. So Star Trek Discovery is on Paramount Plus. If you if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It takes place before the events of the original series, but after the events of Enterprise. And it follows Michael Burnham, who Mark's wonderful drink is named after <laughs> today. I don't know Here's if I've her. ever seen her have sex on the beach. And no, Star Trek no. And, and she does have a very serious boyfriend. But, uh, you know, I just felt like I wanted to honor her in some way. You know, uh, um, I, I, I had the first time I had a mixed cocktail sex on the beach. I'm not sure I ever had, had actually had sex on the beach. So, I mean, I don't think it was a prerequisite. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. So Michael Burnham is incredible, really. This is the first Star Trek series to follow uh, kind of someone who's not really... Uh, in charge of the vessel they're on, Deep Space Nine, you know, uh, Captain or Commander Cisco wasn't a captain yet, but she starts right. out as Commander Burnham. She gets demoted, then she gets promoted, and the the series then at, at, after the second season skips right. forward in time to, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit to any past anything that we've seen so far, and so. Uh, here's what I think about the show, Mark, and I'm interested mm -hmm. to hear your perception of this. Okay. I think that initially the series kind of struggled because I think that, uh, you know, I think of it, uh, kind of initially as they're in this kind of prequel stage, they, they were emphasizing visuals over story. And I, mm -hmm. I think that's been the problem of a lot of the modern Star Trek kind of stuff. And you mean my new Trek? Yeah, yeah, the Star Trek stuff is... Uh, is I mean, that that's kind of a derogatory term that, that folks who aren't yeah. happy about some of the newer shows, uh, instead of... They call it New Trek. You got new, Old Trek, Trek, which was yeah. the stuff that uh, really emphasized morals and really kind of had... Right. It was a, it was more of a moral parable that was going on every episode. Right. Um, and, and now you got New Trek. So I'm sorry. I, yeah, and so I think that when, once they go far flung, right, once they go into the future, I, I think that they start to explore maybe some of those moral things. And for me, that was one of the things that was always fascinating about Star Trek right. is that it was about us. It was set in the future, but it yeah. was about us. It was about things that were happening, examining modern issues, but in a in a futuristic setting. And so I think that that discovery when they when they jump forward, they get back into that. What do you think? Yeah, I, th I think that's a that's mostly true. Yeah, um, 
it is one of the strengths of Star Trek is that it tells a story about um, very difficult modern issues, whether it be uh, race issues or uh, uh, issues of a domineering group of people. But it does it by, by removing some of the reality. So the Klingons become this, uh, this macho, uh, heavy-handed, all-about-might-makes-right kind of... And so it's real easy to then think about that because we're not thinking about particular people that we know exist. And, and we can go through all kinds of, of different issues where that's the case for. And, and clearly one of the strengths of the, the show. And I do feel like, yeah, when this one started... When, when, when we started with Discovery, it did feel like there was a lot about um, entertaining us, frankly. Just, uh, and, 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 and that started for me when uh, the Star Trek movies came out and that yeah. were based on the original, uh, the original series, TOS. Um, yeah. It became very much about uh, action-packed and not a lot of morals being taught. They, they, they throw a little bit in. But that's that was kind of the heart of, of who they were, and I agree. We we weren't really doing a very good job with Star Trek Discovery in any of that until we jumped forward and way in front of where we've ever been. Um, but even then, I don't know. I I am I am somewhat disappointed at times. Yeah. Um, because we're supposed to be beyond greed, but one of the storylines is about how people on earth are hoarding a particular thing that everyone else needs that the people on earth don't really need, but they know it's valuable quantity. So they're hoarding it. We're not supposed to be doing that. We're supposed to be post um, racism, sexism, all of that. But yet, yet we still have characters making derogatory comments about other characters on the ship. Uh, we, even in the original, we had that, like, you know, bones with yeah. Spock and that kind of thing. But we even yeah. see that now. Tig Notaro, by the way, has a great role of Jet and probably one of my favorite characters, but is very snide and dismissive of people in a way yeah. that I think Gene Roddenberry, the, the original creator and founder, probably wouldn't be real thrilled with. I mean, do you see some right. of that? Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean, one of the things that was supposed to happen with Star Trek was exactly what you were talking about, Mark, that we were supposed to have evolved so much as a society, as people, that we were kind of past all of this stuff. And I think, I mean, this was after Gene Roddenberry's death, but even when we're talking about stuff that was in the next generation kind of timeline that that mm -hmm. we see the Ferengi and stuff still with the, they're not a part of the Federation, but we still right. see like the greed and stuff. And it was interesting to, uh, in Star Trek to, to kind of think about why there is money, even if we're supposed to have outgrown money. And yet we still see that. So I think Star Trek has always kind of struggled internally to make mm -hmm. sense of this utopian future that they're, that they're thinking about. And I agree that a lot of the problems started with the the new movies, which I still love. I still watch them. I've still oh, I do too. Don't them. get me wrong. Yeah, but but I did feel like they were mainly about entertainment, and I feel like that Discovery started out continuing along that trajectory to the point where I watched the first season and then stopped watching it. I took oh, wow. like a couple of years off. And then I'm like, maybe I should give this a second chance. And wow, this, that so takes a lot through, to get a Trekkie to stop watching a Trek show. I know. It's just because it, it felt so foreign to Star Trek yeah. for me. Because yeah. the thing that I enjoyed I that. was seeing what we could accomplish 
as right. human beings if we really put our minds to it. And I yeah. liked the thought of that, of us being able to create something in the future that was was better. Maybe that's something interesting for us to talk about when we get into political theology of it all. Mm-hmm. But but I love that. And so when I went back and watched the the second season of Discovery, I was right. able to go right into the third season. And so I was able to go, you know, and ah, I, so you into, got that jump. The, that's right. I got the jump. And for me, shift. that brought me back in because one of yeah. the other issues, I think, <laughs> with doing a prequel is that, you know, the original Star Trek was in the 60s and they had the the way they envisioned that, futuristic technology in the 60s. I think it's hard yeah. to come back and do a prequel with the way we envision what future For, technology might be like yes. when we're watching in 2017 when this premiered. Yeah. And so I think that kind of has all kinds of I struggles. agree. Yeah. If, if there was any reason why I almost didn't watch was what you're talking about. There there was this, this uh, suspension of disbelief that was being required of me because mm-hmm. of what the original series looked like and what this one before it. And they didn't, they they didn't play to the original series in terms of technology. They didn't say, well, we're going to dummy this down a little bit so it doesn't look too advanced. They went all out. And at first, it was so hard to, to make that jump with them. But but ultimately, it was worth it. And so I, I think we've talked about the fact that the first two seasons were a struggle. One of the things to know about Star Trek Discovery is it, it definitely is a darker show. Uh, Deep Space Nine was our kind of first foray into a, a little bit of the dark side uh, uh, of Star Trek discovery feels like a much darker show uh and and we saw a lot of that early on and we and a lot of the classic gene roddenberry uh um, baseline stuff wasn't really being talked about that much in the in terms of storyline but it was present on screen where we saw a variety of different people uh uh, particularly in this show god i love so many strong female leading characters that are fantastic like Burnham, I, I part of the reason I wanted to have the drink more like a Burnham drink yeah. than a Kirk drink is because Burnham's a better captain. Burnham is brilliant. She is fantastic. And brilliant and bold and just um, um, amazing. Yeah. But I do like, moving on to what you were talking about in the third season, that we do seem at least maybe some of the complaints of Trekkies, of those of us who have grown up with this our entire lives, were heard. Yeah. Because we did shift into some storylines that are brilliant that we've not seen much on television um there's this old older there's this middle-aged gay couple uh paul and hugh yeah a science officer and the doctor yeah um and it's a really interesting great storyline all kinds of great things but there's also a younger uh non-gendered relationship going on between adria and gray Right, that we don't see until they go, go into the future. Right, the, the we one, don't see until the future right. happening. The one relationship. But what I think is brilliant about it yeah. is this: this uh, Hugh and Paul basically unofficially kind of pull these other two under their wings and adopt them almost. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and we get to see this kind of chosen family and from uh, within the LGBTQ community. And chosen family is so freaking important on multiple levels in the LGBTQ community. So uh, I, I love for it that, that we have started finding those types of storylines, which really play to the original heart of Star Trek. 
Absolutely. And the fact that that they're embraced by everyone on the ship and that there aren't questions about uh, sexuality or what it means to be gender non-binary. And I mean, you know, Star Trek really did a good job of talking about some gender non-binary stuff before we as a culture were ready to talk about about that. And so I think I think you're right to have those characters front and center and to be playing an ever larger role in the series is pretty cool. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the other things that, that's going on this series, and, and it might be the first time that I'm excited about um, uh, what's being explored, like ever since Next Generation, the second iteration of Star Trek, most of the ethical, moral, moral themes that we see are repeats of what we've seen before. They're expanding on them. They're making them more mm-hmm. interesting. They're doing different things with them. But there's nothing new. Once again, this is never a spoiler-free uh, podcast, so spoiler alert right here. In season three, we start dealing with a se- self-actualizing AI. Yeah, and and we we you know currently, particularly people geeks like me who are into yeah. AI and lots of stuff, right, right. talk about the point of singularity where. Uh, computers have full realization of who they are and that kind of thing. Well, they're starting to play with and explore what does it look like when a central computer, the computer that runs the whole ship, develops not just uh, self-awareness, but emotions. And what that might, how that might impact everyone. And they, and they, they give it like, they give it a real serious part of the storyline and they take it really serious. And it's so important because just like the original series dealt with some uh, uh, sexuality stuff that we weren't really ready as a society to even talk about, this is something society is not talking much about outside of the scientific society. Yeah. But it's going to be real important real soon. It is. And it's beautiful to see them starting to investigate it. And not, not only investigate it, but I think most of the time whenever we see uh, kind of, uh, we see AI come to life. We see uh, Terminator type stories where the computers mm. come out to get us. And the thing that I thought was really interesting about this is that the computer chooses compassion right. and to be a part of the community. You were talking about mm. chosen community, and the computer chooses to be a part right. of of the Starfleet community. Decides or decides to join Star Trek. Or, or decides to join Starfleet, which is uh, the Federation, which is, I think, really interesting because a lot of times we see uh, the the computers coming out to get you. And so to see that. I don't, I don't even think it's just a lot of times. I think yeah. everyone assumes that once computers self-actualize, that yeah. it is a slow roll t- until they take over. Yeah. Um, and so it's really a brilliant, beautiful kind of way of handling it and investigating it because it's not just that the computer all of a sudden is about the community, which people seem to think all of a sudden AI is going to be anti-community and all about taking over. It's the slow process of relationship and spelling it out. I love how beautifully they do it and how anti the direction the society seems to be going in uh, takes it. Well, listen, we, (laughs) there are so many themes and, and we are both geeks about this. We could go on and on about it, but the fact is there is a show to do here. And, uh, Uh There's some political impacts that we probably need to be dealing with on this. So uh, let's take another quick drop and uh, get back on the other side to some of the impact that this show should have on how we approach society. Sounds good. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are glad you are here with us. Listen, Caleb, um, as we start thinking through Star Trek Discovery and 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 start to apply it to politics, one of the things that I think massively stands out is something that you actually, uh, in our pre-discussion, tipped me off a little bit more, even more towards, is the fact that Burnham in particular, but across the series, and not just this series, but many of the other ones, um, looks for the middle ground looks for the compromise, yeah. looks for the way that nobody sees right now. It's not either all bad or all good. Um, and does a brilliant job. And we're getting to see, I think, this season even more of that. Uh, a matter of fact, it gets really weird because um, you got talking about politics. You've got all these political figures that are trying to pull this person who's supposed to just be a scientist explorer, basically, uh, into yeah. their political games and how it's going to be done. And she always seems to manage to figure out how to twist and turn things just in the right way that so that as much as possible, everybody wins. I just wonder, in, uh, in, in Trump Trump society and in, in post-Trump world, where we're so divided over anything and everything. I mean, just go on social media and post a picture of something that fell off a tree and say, this is a twig and watch the matter, number of people <laughs> who are going to like this. No, no it's, it's a stick. It's not a, it's twig. a stick. How dare you? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm just curious. Like part of Star Trek is to be hopeful about what the future looks like. And even compared to 15 years ago, 10 years ago, uh, we, we, I, I think we've taken a massive step backwards in terms of compromise and finding Definitely. middle ground. What 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 do you think about where we are as a society in terms of that? And what does Star Trek have to offer, particularly Star Trek Discovery? Yeah, so I think this is interesting because the original vision of Star Trek is supposed to be this utopian future where we've outgrown all of these things that divide us. And I think one of the most interesting things for me about Discovery, especially after they go past the part of Star Trek that we've seen before, is that we see this utopian future dissolve into this dystopian yes, future where right. the Federation is all broken yeah. up and this, uh, people aren't able to find any common ground anymore. Well, there's a big event. And there's I a think big it, event. There's a big it event. Changes the burn. Everything. The burn changes everything. Because right. of, and, and the right. burn, the reason it changes everything, and, and I'm not going to go into the details of the storyline, but ultimately right. it changes everything because of fear and doubt and mistrust. Huh? That sounds familiar, hmm. Mark. Hmm. Uh, has that happened anytime recently? Uh, I don't know. I, that was my question to you. I, so I think I, you're supposed to be answering. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, of course, we have right. Like, our, <laughs> like, I think we had a lot of optimism mm -hmm. about where we were headed as a society. Yes, we can. Yes, and we can. Yes, we can. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> right, <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, a massive step backwards yeah. as as we saw all these things that were kind of maybe under the rug in our society that we didn't talk about that were that were definitely still there. The the racism, the sexism, the homophobia, mm -hmm. the the jingoism, all this stuff that was really there, but but it wasn't polite to talk about, and all of a sudden it was acceptable to to talk about once again. And so, I, yeah, it, it, I think, made us question a lot about whether or not achieving uh, any kind of utopian future was even possible. Yeah. And for me, this is really interesting, thinking about from a, from a, 
a theological perspective too, because I think one of the things that we talk about a lot in progressive circles is how it is that we hope to create a society that is more like the world that that God wants. Right. Uh, and so and in, the, in the church, we call it the reign of God, but Martin Luther King Jr. called it the beloved community, right? Exactly, the, this, blessed, the blessed community. Ethical society. Yeah. yeah. And it's exactly what and Jesus so I, tried to teach I, I us know. about. I mean, uh, we, we've messed up a That's lot. Right. I mean, it, we messed up a lot of things that Jesus tried to teach us about. I mean, and, and we do. Uh, well, no, I don't, we I don't right. know if we do. Yeah. I don't know if you, we do. I mean, come on. No, <laughs> people do. Some people do. But, but, <laughs> no, but I mean, that's never. exactly what the yeah. teachings were really about. And, and right. it wasn't about who to worship or how to worship. It wasn't about uh, uh, judging other people. It wasn't a, about uh, condemning other people. It wasn't supposed to be anyway, but that's all it seems to right. be, be about anymore. And in a lot of ways, I feel like the church, uh, because of that, really has a lot of ne needs to step up and own a lot of what tr people like Trump were able to do in in terms of wrapping, you know, the flag around the cross and trying to 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 make excluding other people somehow a, a value, somehow a, a virtue of of uh, you're actually being a really good follower of the teachings of Christ. You're being a very good spiritual person by doing these things. I mean. The church is so complicit in that, particularly when, when we get into the um, idea of of uh, just following, you know, of of blind following. Like, let the person who has the power tell you what you should be doing, and then just do it. And the church has done that for centuries after centuries after centuries, because uh, church is made up of humans, and those in power like to keep their power. And so it's really nice and easy to put in some dogma and guidelines and rules and regulations that end up having people follow without as much thought. I mean, we certainly have denominations that work against that to a degree. I'm in one of those. And so I, PCUSA uh, really values intellect and questions and all of that. But we are also, <laughs> the first part of our constitution is a list of rules. And you're supposed to follow them really closely. And, and even everything's it, supposed to be right and orderly in good and in decent order, good and in decent. Yes, order. that's yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and so, I mean, even, even within denominations that are really trying to say we're about um, the questions and living in the questions, even yeah. uh, there's so yeah. many rules and regulations that leave people out that shut people out. Because if you don't do this, you can't be with us. If you, don't believe this, you can't join our church. You know, um, right. I feel like that adds to this divide that was so easy for politicians to play into. Do, do you, do you right. see it's the two being focus. related? Yeah, I think, I mean, you're right. There's been such a focus on, on theology, on the right beliefs. And so, you know, whenever people talk about Christianity, they talk about it being uh, a religion of orthodoxy. Right. Correct belief. Exactly. Right? Instead of orthopraxy. Right. Correct practice. practice. Right. And I, I think that we've not focused enough on following the teachings of Jesus, because you're right, Mark, that that's what his teachings were really about, was a, a, about creating a just society, a, a just world. And so I think at its best, uh, Star Trek is trying to envision what that would be like. Right. I, I don't think 
Gene Roddenberry would describe it in that way as like, you know, realizing the reign of God. But I think that for me, that's always been one of the appeals is that watching Star Trek as a kid, it matched up with what I I was hearing at church about what the world was supposed to be like, where we were supposed to be able to try and work for common ground. Yeah. And And, and we were supposed to be able to treat each other with with fairness. And and that's what good science fiction and fantasy has always done. And I I agree with you. I don't know that Gene Roddenberry, a matter of fact, I think we would heard about it it if, if it was based on christian right. teachings we'd have heard about it. but right. but what he was doing did have a massive appeal to people who were real followers of jesus have you ever heard of the story about how uh martin luther king saved star trek yeah with uhura with uhura exactly right exactly. with michelle nickel michelle yeah. nickel was uh ready after the first season michelle nichols was the african-american woman on the bridge who was one of the leaders, she was a head of communications and it was brilliant because they didn't bring up that she was African-American or that she was a woman. It was, you're one of the best people in the world at this. So we need you doing this job. And back in the sixties, that was unheard of and unbelievable after the first year and some mild ratings, she, um, she was she was in musical theater was really wanting to pursue broadway had walked in on a friday a thursday or a friday to 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 uh roddenberry's office and said hey uh just so you know i'm checking out i, I want to go do broadway i think it's a better deal for me over here yeah. and he said well why don't you just think about it for the weekend and uh she was going to uh in NAACP awards that weekend and somebody came up to her and said hey somebody somebody wants to meet you and she turned around and the crowds parted and up walked Dr. King. Wow. And uh, obviously, like any of us would have been, she was floored. Uh, who wouldn't be? Yeah. And uh, he right. started gushing over Star Trek because he yeah. said, he basically told, he said, not basically, he said, hey, look, uh, my wife and I, this is the only show we let our kids stay up and see because what's going on there is so important. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, she says, I am so sorry that I'm not able to be out on your marches with you. Like, I wish I could. And he was like, yeah. no, no. He literally said, no, no. Yeah. He said, what you're yeah. doing is far more important. You're, you're doing your yeah. own march and it matters much more. And then she confessed that she was going to leave the show. And he, t- he yeah. said, he basically, I mean, it shows how brilliant he was on in all kinds of, of, of venues. It wasn't just theology. It wasn't yeah. just social justice. He said, look, you leave that show and they could replace you with an alien. They could replace you with anyone. Right now, you right. are an African-American woman on a, a power position on a show that is teaching yeah. morals. And you are changing the lives of little boys and girls right now. And uh, she she yeah. went in the office Monday morning and told Jean she was back. She's staying in. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, uh, an African-American woman as herself. Right. Because a lot of the black characters in Star Trek play aliens. Right. Too. And that's not the same. No. And yeah, it was interesting that she stayed on and very helpful. And as most of you probably know, the, the first interracial kiss on TV was on Star Trek with Michelle Nichols exactly. and William Shatner. Exactly. They, they were being mind controlled at the time. <laughs> so I think that was their out in the right, 60s. Right. But, but still, it was powerful to see, uh, you know, on TV. And that inspired a lot of other people, including uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who, oh, I mean, my gosh, despite things she said recently, right. <laughs> she, yeah. you know, uh, it inspired her to go into right. acting. And, 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 and ultimately showed up on TNG on The Next Generation. And, and, and as Guy. Yeah, and right. a great role. And, great role. And, and so, a great role. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, Nichelle Nichols was was powerful. And so that, I think, is what Star Trek is at its best. It is. Is that it's it's showing us the kind of uh, the kind of progressive uh, stances that uh, it's taking progressive stances as a TV show. And it's showing us progressively what the world could you know, look like. I actually, like. yeah, and I, and I think that's that's an interesting, uh, it, it, it shows you the difficulty of the word progressive because progressive yeah. means moving towards the future. And ultimately right. what it's doing is telling us the future. So it's not so much progressive as it is predictive. Um, we're progressive right now because we're trying to get yeah. to this point. Uh, but this show, I, I, I really tend to think of it less as a progressive show and much more of a yeah. predictive show because the reality is the opposite of the moral teachings of this show, the opposites of, uh, having racism in the world makes the world worse causes wars causes battles uh causes poverty causes homelessness causes all kinds of horrible things the reality is in order to have a better society we will end up in a place where that does not exist it's going to take a lot of work but ultimately that's where we are going to get talking about it now and and, and imagining it and, and idealizing and figuring out where it is that's progressive but what he's doing is showing in the future this is what it's going to be like, and there's reasons for this. And and they they show the outplay of when we are a better society, how we can put more time into finding middle grounds. We can put a lot more time into considering what is for the betterment of everyone when we're not playing these little games about who's better and who's got more. And so for, for I and I hope that is predictive. I, I really think <laughs> I hope it, that I hope that it really it's, is. It's, I hope that if it's, we really if it's, get to if that kind of I will go as far and I'm 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 not one to mince words and I get myself in a lot of trouble, but yeah. that's fine. I will go as far as to say if it's not predictive, then everything ends anyway, because we will destroy each other. So if we're going to get to the 23rd century, it is predictive. Because if it's not predictive, we're not going to survive. Well, what do you say, human race? Why don't we try to make it to the twenty first to, to pass? Let's the just do the twenty second, the twenty third. Let's just make it to the twenty second. Let's just I'd get to the twenty second century. Let's get. Let's just get to twenty twenty three. Let's find Absolutely. a way to to make this world better enough that we, that we can make it just to the next year. Look, we could talk about Star Trek all day, and Mark, you and I probably would. yes, absolutely, but <laughs> but. It's time to go to the next segment. If you've got any questions that you want to ask us about Star Trek or about anything that we've talked about today, we'd love for you to go ahead and put those in the comments wherever you are watching. And when we get back from the drop, we'll take a look at some of those questions. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, to our final segment where we take questions from you all who are listening. And Mark, one of the questions that I see yeah. is, uh, do you have to watch the first, second, and third season to get to the to really enjoy the fourth season? What do you think? I think it would probably serve you well to watch the first couple of episodes of the first season, and then most of the third season. 
I feel like the third season sets up some of what's going to be happening in the fourth season. I'm, I, what do you think, Caleb? Does it not? I, I think, yeah, I think that once you get a feel for what happened, uh, there's this thing about the sphere. They've collected right. data from all around the universe that integrates really into the important. ship. That's the main thing right. to know. I but think, I also think you do, you, hit into the third you do need to watch the first couple of episodes of the first season because they do a lot of character development, which become very important. So one, t- t- a couple. Especially around... Yeah, a couple. I think I think a couple, especially around Michael Burnham, to understand who she is and what kind of set her on the path. You really have to watch the the first couple Absolutely. episodes. You're right to understand who she is. Well, I have a question for you, man. Yeah. Okay. So I said earlier in one of our in the first segment that one of the second segment that one of the strengths of the show was that it removed reality in a way that we were able to see it more clearly. Like we, we, we make the Klingons, the overlords and the, the uh, might makes right kind of, and and so we get to question it without looking at humans doing that out of all, out of all of Star Trek, Mm -hmm. which race do you think actually most appropriately and approximately estimates humanity today? Oh no, that's interesting. Now, and I will um, give. I'm, I'm oh. gonna. I'm gonna give you a little tiny out. You okay. can take half. Yeah. Uh, half a half and half. You can say it's half this and half that. Like half. Oh, that's half good. Klingon. And I'm not gonna name anything. I've I've been saying Klingon, so I'm going back there. I know what. I, I know. Mm, okay, you do what you think. Okay, I want to hear what I want to hear what you have to say. Here's what. Here's what comes to my mind immediately. So I'm thinking immediately about the Bajorans and the Cardassians mm. and the relationship there as they are feuding. And you know the. And I'm thinking about in kind of the DS9 kind of situation, right. the Deep Space Nine situation where they've uh, the Cardassians have been occupying the planet uh, Bajor, but there are such hard feelings that they cannot see each other as individuals anymore. They are just the the races, and uh, that's one of the things I think that's at heart in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. The the, dis- the discussions going back and forth, and I think that's where we are right now, especially as humans in the United States, yeah. is that. Things have been so politicized over the past few years that it's hard to see people as people. And Mm. we see each other as, you know, as Republicans or Democrats, as liberals or conservatives. And it's very hard to see the humanity in, in each person. And so I hope that we find some of the, the common ground that we find Star Trek portraying and uh, we're able to see each other as human beings once again and theologically we're able to see each other as children of god each and every person so what do you think mark i i, I don't like rules so uh even though i told you <laughs> yeah. just two i would probably take three yeah. that, that i think i, I think <laughs> Yeah, that's that's against the rules you created, Mark. Against the rules you gave me. Yeah. I, 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 I love I, it. No rules. I, I'm no not rules. much of an enforcer, so if you'd have gone past it, it wouldn't have said anything. I'm like, <laughs> hey, get on you, man. Um, no, listen. I think I think I'm gonna pick three, and there are three pretty well known okay. uh, um, races uh, within. I think we are as a society, and I mean not just the U.S. society. When I think what your answer was was brilliant. 
uh, uh, assessment of U.S. society. I think as a world, we're stuck between three different ones. Klingons for Ringi and uh, Kling, uh, 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 dang it, I just why am I blanking? Uh, Spock. As you're, as you're thinking Spock. of it. And, oh, the Vulcans. the Vulcans. I think we're in this yeah. space where we have this divide where is this about might makes right? Is this about uh, uh, consumerism and making money and adding it up? Or is this about thinking it through and making correct decisions? Unfortunately, sometimes emotionalist. Um, for for me, if I have to figure out a balance, it's between the three. It's the Klingons, it's the Ferengi, it, it's, the, it, it, it's the Vulcans. Um, and I think that's what makes the show so brilliant is that it, it took parts of who we really are and personified those as entire planets and, and yeah. doubled down on what that means and how that means we interact with the world. And we can see the faults yeah. of it. Even, even as progressives who might lean towards the Vulcans and feel like, ah, but it shows like how the the high end intellect can make them be sort of soulless in some ways, um, yeah. and I feel like that's part of the brilliance of Star Trek universe in general. And I'm so glad to see Discovery getting back to those roots in, in this most recent um, um, season. I, I love that. I've got a friend who says we in the United States are the Ferengi. And so I There's like some balance of that. of that. I don't want to be just the Ferengi, mm. you know? So uh, yeah, I, I love that answer. Mark. Well, so, listen, thank you all. For, yeah. Yeah. It's been a great show. It's been a lot of fun. Been, I finished my drink. Yeah, I've, I've, I've finished my, my drink uh, almost twice. So uh, it's been a, it's been a really great show. So thank <laughs> that Michael Bur Captain Burnham sex on the beach is pretty good. Uh, it worked out for me. I'll tell you that. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, yeah. my garnish was starting to get in the way. So now I'm, I'm going to enjoy that after we uh, head out here, but thank you all for tuning in. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Please. If you enjoy this, Please go to progressivechristianity.com. Follow them. Uh, they help make this possible. And uh, share the show with your friends. Let them know why you like it. Let us know. Uh, if you're posting on uh, any of the places this is being shared, Caleb and I uh, are going to be uh, coming and joining you and, and responding to you. But again, thank you. We hope you all show up next week on Monday at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time for the Moonshine Jesus Show. Great to see you, Caleb. Great to see you. Cheers to you, Mark. Right. Cheers to all of you out there. Cheers listening. to you, sir. And on that, we are out. Moonshine Jesus, the